Welcome everybody to a new episode of Your Friendly Physicist and Other Nerds, your science podcast where researchers speak about their science, their visions, dreams, challenges and their daily life in the fabulous world of science. My name is Lucas and I'm the host of this podcast. Today it's all about batteries and I'm more than happy to welcome Gilles Möll to the show today. Let me shortly introduce him. Gilles studied physics in Heidelberg and did his master studies afterwards at the Technical University of Munich, where he investigated polymer batteries using neutron and X-ray scattering. Then he moved to Southampton, UK for his PhD, which was about electrochemical processes for bottom-up electronics, like for example batteries. And after that he joined the Soleil Synchrotron in Paris to study lithium batteries using X-rays. And currently he's working at the Neutron Research Reactor FRM2 in Munich and I'm super excited to listen to some insights in his latest battery research and to talk about batteries in general. So Gilles, welcome to the show, great to have you on board. How are you doing today? Hello Lucas, I'm very good and you? I'm also very well, <laughs> now that I finally have you on the show. Yeah, you finally got me. So traditional first question, Gilles, are you a nerd? Uh, yes, uh, I would say. I mean, I have close to 10 guitars at home, so I would say that qualifies uh, as a nerd. Definitely. <laughs> you not only have the guitars at home, but also a bunch of trucks of equipment. Yeah, yeah. Constantly growing. <laughs> okay, let's switch to, to science. Your science is about batteries. Maybe a very first basic question in the beginning. What What is a battery actually? Yeah, uh, so I think without getting too technical, a battery is something where you can put electrical current in and you can store it for a while and then you can take it out again. That's essentially what it does. So it's, uh, yeah, to something to store energy if you want. But I think most specifically, we're always talking about electrical some kind of electrical current that we need to store and yeah that we keep for later why do you think batteries are important for our society um so if we i think we want to decentralize uh where we get our energy from so uh, away from big power plants to more like scenarios um where you would have your i don't know your uh, photovoltaic um, panels on your house, for example, on your roof, and uh, you want to, yeah, you need to store the energy that you get from that because with the renewables, they only they only come in when you've got sunshine or you've got wind or whatnot, unless it's water. Um, but that means if you've got these intermittent energy sources, sources, you need to somehow store the stuff, and I think, yeah we are trying to do that with batteries so that you can have <clears throat> different or a lot of smaller points where you collect mm -hmm. energy and then you yeah and then you go from there essentially so it's not only important to get let's say clean energy from solar or wind or water power or whatever but also to have the possibility to store it in order to have a decentralized grid yeah it, it's 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 just yeah to enable the the renewable yeah. energy sector essentially you need you need something to store 
what you make. So that sounds actually like a very smart plan. Um, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure a lot of people like like you are working on it. But what are the the current limitations of the battery technologies right now? So what challenges are we facing? Or what challenges are you also working on in your battery research? So uh, I think the, the field is mostly working on making batteries with higher energy density, so in both volumetric and in gravimetric, so lighter and smaller batteries. What, what does what does higher energy density mean in simple words? You can put more energy in this in a same size battery. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so you can you have more exactly yeah. So a battery that you can you would need to charge longer probably, but that you can use longer with one charge. So one charge would give you more uh, electricity if you want. But the idea is, if you had if you had a new battery with the same that you can use in the same way, but it would it would be smaller and lighter. Mm -hmm. um, that then ultimately you can have more of those batteries with you or in a place because they're smaller and lighter. So in total, you would have more energy stored somewhere. I think that's what what people are mostly working on. Um, but the li the limitations are are really mostly material dependent. So I think the 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 lithium battery is already pretty good. Um, and you can see it because if you if you look at what um, yeah what what sizes phones have now um, and how long they some of them actually last, it's become much smaller, right? And and computers as well, laptops and stuff. And that's because just the the lithium ion battery has a really high energy density already. So so this high energy density comes out of the lithium ion. So lithium is a an ideal material or one of an ideal material for batteries because it enables this high energy density so you can produce very small batteries that you can can put on for example in your phone or in your computer yeah yeah compared to compared to most of the other materials yes what are other materials for example well if, if you think back to your childhood and your uh, i don't know game boys and stuff i, I think most of those were nickel metal hydride batteries and they were, com yeah, in comparison, much bigger than what uh, what a little uh, lithium-ion cell would be for the same application. So by cha changing material to a more suited material like lithium, you basically have a higher energy density in a smaller battery that lasts longer than... Yeah, yeah, it's just the, the different chemistry gives you a different uh, profile. Apart from energy density, what, what are further challenges or other challenges? that you think are important to to investigate right now? Uh, well, uh, apart from that, of course, people are looking at safety. Um, mm -hmm. And then I guess what goes in with the energy density thing is like the, the charging and, and, uh, and yeah, mostly the charging time because discharging, I guess, people are fine with. <laughs> they, know, <laughs> they know how to do that. Yeah. But uh, decreasing uh, the, the charge times is also something people try and work on um, to not break the battery while doing so because typically yeah I mean you can charge a battery fast or quickly but um, tendency is that it will uh, die sooner if you do that so rather charge it slow also discharge it slow so that the battery undergoes 
little stress i, w- I would say yeah yeah that, that that is good for battery health and lifetime yeah it could be but batteries i i always like to this <laughs> to describe them like a like a, a a string that you're pulling on uh you know like a guitar string that's always under tension a guitar uh, a battery is the same so even if you're not using it it will still be aging just because it's not mm-hmm. in equilibrium never so whatever you do it, it will most likely die anyway but it's true that if you if you abuse it uh, by you know uh, doing a, a lot of cycles so a lot of uh, charging and discharging or if you use try and get the maximum current out of it mm-hmm. uh, that it will it will age it faster so what do you think is is from these cutting edge technology lithium batteries how long is the lifetime right now you would say and how many cycles you can get out of it until it eventually ages so much that it's not usable anymore <laughs> good question <laughs> um i mean if i don't know how, how long you've used your phone I've, mine is three years old now and i need to recharge it <laughs> almost three times a day but that's also because i just use it too much but i think in comparison it it used to have <laughs> it used to work better a, ba- a battery is considered broken once it goes under what was it uh, latest under 80 it might be something like 90 percent of the initial capacity i don't know you, you if you want you can check below 90 percent of the initial capacity yeah something it's 90 or 80 something like that and then it's considered broken then it's already considered broken yeah yeah yeah. Oh, okay then i definitely have a broken battery. <laughs> yeah but the, yeah the, so if it loses I don't know if it if it loses just a little every cycle then mm-hmm. you you quickly get to a point where you don't have anything anymore that's why that's why people tr- really try and get mm-hmm. the maximum efficiency I mean close to 100% because every percent mm-hmm. ultimately uh then in a hun- in a hundred cycles or something you you're done even if it it doesn't seem much for one cycle I mean for one charge discharge cycle yeah so maybe to shortly summarize so challenges are higher energy density a longer lifetime cycle faster charging yeah safety and then and then of course and then and then getting the materials to build them getting the materials to build them yeah that's a perfect bridge to my next question apart from lithium what what other technologies battery technologies are there right now where a lot of research is going on i i would say the i i looked at some stuff yesterday uh with this and the it's still that everything or anything you find in the periodic table that will intercalate into something or make make some kind of alloy uh is almost being used so if you look at the first short question in between what does intercalate mean oh intercalate uh, it, it means that uh, that's a really good question actually <laughs> so it, it it means that you can you can put your charge carrier so your lithium ion into into a material so that it stays in there for the period of time where you want to uh, store it in and that it also uh, trades its uh, or takes an electron in so that you can do the whole charge transfer Mm -hmm. thing that you need in the battery but uh, yeah that's maybe not the best word but anyway the so lithium sodium potassium all of these are being worked on as batteries um and then of the, even of the of the multivalent 
uh, elements, uh, I mean the ions like zinc, magnesium, calcium, those are also being worked on. And I think some people are even trying aluminium, so that would be a free plus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just a recap for the non-chemists among, among us. So lithium, potassium, sodium are all monovalent, so meaning they carry one electron. Then you have something like zinc, magnesium, they carry two. And then aluminum. Is there any other? Trivalent? I haven't heard I haven't heard it of any others. But I guess you you could do I think people are trying really trying anything they can yeah. get to work as a battery. Any of the combinations as well. So having multivalent ions like zinc two plus or aluminum three plus, they can carry more electrons, so you can carry more let's call it electricity from in your battery mm -hmm. but of course they are then probably also bigger which makes it harder to intercalate or store it in kind of a host matrix where they can stay and get released with a trigger when you want to use your battery mm -hmm. so i think it's pros and cons so you have a higher charging rate discharging rate higher energy density maybe but then other problems like aging or some lifetime are maybe more severe with these types of batteries. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, but then <laughs> there are basically unlimited types of batteries out there, which all have, have, yeah, like, yeah. have a faster charging cycle, but maybe less safety or uh, little, little lifetime than others have more lifetime, but slower charging rate, something. So you can really like tailor your battery for your particular use when you when you don't care about the charging time because you have time then you can use maybe multivalent ions or you change the chemistry within your battery to your needs so, so that's yeah pretty, yeah, much. pretty powerful materials yeah i mean you you said it before yeah uh, also one of the challenges is uh, to get the material mm -hmm. probably uh, all of us looked in, the, in these documentations or these newspaper articles where we get our lithium or cobalt or um, zinc or whatever from. Um, so is there, I don't know how to put the question, but is there, is this, I mean, for sure, for sure this is also a limitation, but do you think at one point we have to, let's say, stop investigating energy and resources into lithium batteries because we still we basically don't have enough lithium and then focus on, on other materials which are much more abundant i i think yeah i i think i saw something that we are already at the point where where pretty where lithium is almost done i don't know how serious it was but in terms of how much lithium we can still get even if we made huge progress in in lithium uh, batteries and let's say i don't know made them all that's the thing if you the next step from lithium ion is lithium metal for most people because you you that's a much better battery in, in terms of performance and stuff but that means solid lithium metal uh, parts in your battery so that means you need a lot more lithium so so that means when you have only the lithium ions you still have a liquid like an, an electro a liquid electrolyte where the lithium ion is traveling back and forth between the electrodes yeah and if you go to lithium metals, the lithium or the charge carrier is moving in the metal. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, no, it's just about the... So right now, the most 
common um, anode in the in the battery is graphite. Mm -hmm. um, but if you if you uh, replace that with just metallic lithium, then you get an anode with uh, more than ten times the capacity of graphite because lithium has the one of the highest uh, capacities um, that you can get. So you would just so capacity capacity here means the amount of lithium you can store in an anode. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And if you just make solid lithium, then then it's almost the highest. I think silicon is slightly higher, but um, you that's your next big step. But I think yeah, I I, di I digress too much. I think yes, um, we we probably need, and I think that's what's being done already, um, to try, if not moving totally away from lithium, to at least have an alternative. And I think that's what is already happening with sodium because mm -hmm. uh, I think there's sodium battery cars already, right? That that are, I think some Chinese company is selling those already. And and I remember there was a, when I, when I worked in France, uh, I went to a conference where there was a guy um, saying that the French also wanted to um, build some manufacturing plants in France for sodium batteries. Okay. and that they were doing it already in China. So, yeah, sodium is probably the next, oh, isn't the next thing that is coming. And then I guess it will, we, we will just need to go to wherever, whatever we can use as batteries because we need them anyway. Mm -hmm. And then if, we, if you can't get lithium or sodium, um, then you just have to use something else to make it work. What's, what's your guess? What is there? What is the next the next material? Yeah, I mean the the one I like most is the the zinc ion one, just because it's so it's such a friendly looking battery to, compared to to the other ones because you can just everything is water in it pretty much, so you can just have it on your desk, and mm -hmm. uh, you can put it together and uh, and look at it while it's open. Of course, it doesn't it doesn't so far work very well, so. And the question is, okay, yeah, you can, you can have a friendly, non-working battery, mm -hmm. but I think uh, if we get it to work, then that would be my my favorite so far. I don't know about the. I think the potassium stuff has very tricky uh, or yeah chemistry as well in terms of. I think they are really uh, corrosive electrolytes that you need. But speaking of uh, friendly-looking batteries and water-based. Um battery zinc oxide or it was zinc oxide it's right? just uh, zinc two plus so also not not a very nasty material so it's actually pretty cool compared to lithium and you have like electrolytes in there that are corrosive that can explode that are flammable is this you think also a trend maybe shifting to let's say more sustainable batteries where you use mainly water-based electrolytes yeah uh, that's being done i mean that there's also even for lithium uh, there's people that try and um try and lithiate uh material materials from seawater for example before they so instead of doing the i think usually you would need to do some kind of some kind of high temperature process to to cook your um lithium containing uh, cathode material and yeah, people are trying to just get it out of brine 
okay and then put that in a battery i mean that that already uh, i think and um, yeah if you if you can use some kind of renewable electricity source mm -hmm. to to do that i think then that can be yeah done and also trying to use um more more efficient procedures to make the um to make the the materials so yeah lower temperature um ambient pressure and stuff i think that's yeah. all that's all things that are tried and tested during the manufacturing of yeah, the battery yeah. so so that, that, but that also means that right now manufacturing a battery is not at all a sustainable process no uh, i don't think not so yet. not yet uh, if you <laughs> i don't know if you know these uh, if you've seen these vape pens Yeah, uh, yeah, they. I mean that that's that's a primary lithium cell, but uh, I think this is a thing where you you put in you put in a lithium containing battery and then you just throw it away, and that that really gets thrown away anywhere because uh, I don't think people are aware of what kind of technology they are using to to smoke. <laughs> what is a primary lithium battery? Oh, that, that's one you're not. It's not supposed to be recharged. Um, so it's not a it's not a full um, it's not a full battery in that sense, but still it, it I think so. It has one one discharging cycle. Yeah, more or less. yeah, exactly. Okay, and then it's done. You throw it away. <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Even if not the manufacturing process is very sustainable yet, um, let's say. But how about recycling? Bringing back. I mean, of course, it's 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 ridiculous to throw away, even if it's one discharging lithium battery but throwing it away is ridiculous but what about like a car battery where there are really massive amounts of lithium in it how to bring it back into a circular economy are these batteries recycled how 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 hard is it how challenging is it to recycle it to get the lithium out or to replace some components of the battery to have basically a, a renewed battery and you can use it again well i i, I don't think it's super super straightforward but technically it's possible because you you i think most of the th if i remember right the thing that suffers most is probably the anode so if you and and that you're losing lithium inside the battery that you can use so it will still be there but it will have reacted to something um that doesn't doesn't electrochemically uh participate in the in the game anymore so if you if you manage to you know you take your battery you open it up and you try and and get them and separate the materials again and that's what mm -hmm. people are that's what people are looking at so they are they are trying to um to yeah divide up the uh the cathode materials so that would be typically three different materials and and the anode as well uh, so try and get the active material back and probably try and get the current collectors as well because there's lots of aluminium and uh, copper that you can probably reuse if you if you get it clean enough so and then refilling with electrolyte is probably the easiest thing i've i've seen i've seen studies on where they try to do that and also to try and do it with not too much uh energy consumption while doing it so Uh, it's yes. a, it's a challenge, but it's being it's also being worked on. So definitely, one thing that that might appear in the future might come in the future to work on both both ends to have like 
more sustainable materials in the first place, but also to recycle and to bring the not so sustainable and not so friendly materials back into yeah. the cycle. Yeah. Or I mean, another <laughs> the, this um, another technique can also be to just not not abuse your battery as hard. I I don't know if you remember or if you saw last year there was a thing uh, with Tesla and the 100 year battery or something. And what they did was um, they used a material that is not new at all. It was just a regular thing, but they said, okay, we're just going to cycle it to a lower potential. Um, so not not charge it as much as they could. Um, but if you do that, it, it lasts a lot longer. <laughs> Because your battery, if you think back to the guitar string, is not under so much stress when you have a low, lower potential. So it's not charged to the maximum, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So yeah. this can also be a way if you say, okay, recycling is really hard. And uh, yeah, as you said in the beginning, like if, if, you, if you can play a bit on the, on the application and the demand you put on or... Mm -hmm towards the the battery then you can also make it live longer and then you don't need to um don't need to recycle as much yeah i see that's that's a good point yeah so now that we are slowly approaching the end of this episode there's one final thing i wanted to discuss with you and um, i actually want to go in a bit more detail into your research and i also wanted to ask you why you are actually working at a neutron source, at a neutron facility. So what advantages does it bring along or does it add to your research, to your battery research, to use neutrons? And therefore I wanted to start for the last couple of minutes a little nerd talk. Nerd talk. So before we dig right into the details of your research, Gilles, let me shortly explain how a research neutron reactor works. Basically, you have three parts. You have the source, where the neutrons are produced. Then you have the sample, where the neutrons interact with your sample, with your material. And then you have a detector, where the neutrons that have interacted with your samples are collected. And from these information you get from, from the detector, from your detector image, you can conclude or extract information about your material. So let's start with the source. Uh, first of all, we need a fuel element. The fuel element sits in the reactor core. It contains uranium. And to start the reactor, we need only a few neutrons. These neutrons are typically provided by an external source. And these neutrons, you can imagine them as tiny bullets. These bullets hit the nuclei of the uranium atoms that sit in our fuel element and they make the uranium atom split into two smaller parts. So we have two smaller atoms in the end and we also have a lot of energy in the form of heat and we have more neutrons that are released by this reaction. We as researchers as neutron researchers we are only interested in the neutrons so we need a lot of cooling water that takes care of the released heat and the neutrons that were released they hit further uranium nuclei which in turn of course provides even more neutrons so this is our chain reaction basically 
And this chain reaction can be controlled by some neutron absorbing material, for example, Bohr, um, which sits within or near the reactor core. So this is how neutrons are produced. These neutrons are then guided by so-called neutron guides to the instruments and to your samples. So samples is the second major part here. In Munich at the FRM2 we have about 30 different instruments. They are all unique, they can all do different things. So dependent on your material and your research and the things you want to find out, you are looking for a suited instrument. And they can investigate all kinds of properties of, of your samples then. And as we heard from Gilles, a lot of people explore batteries, also in Munich, but there are also other experiments, for example, on solar cells, on superconductors, semiconductors, hydrogen, hydrogen storage materials, new sensor technologies, and a lot more. So at the sample, the neutrons interact with your material. They, for example, scatter and are then collected by a neutron detector, which is our third major component. And from the detected neutrons, how they scattered, how they diffracted, how they um, changed their energy or their magnetic dipole moment or whatever, there we get a lot of information that we can use to conclude what is happening in our sample. What is the structure, what are the processes, what are the dynamics and so on. And this is basically how a neutron reactor works. Easy, right? And now we can jump in to your research shield. So tell us a bit more. And in a bit more detail, we're still in the nerd talk about your research. Yeah, I would love to jump in. Apparently the water is really warm, right? Um, so yeah, for neutrons and batteries, uh, I think work. So the, the good thing about neutrons is that they go through almost anything um, without complaining too much. So if you want to look at something that is inherently closed like a battery because electrodes are facing each other and they are you need to close them up uh, and seal them so that they um, work and so that means you're looking at something that is typically in a metal enclosure or, or something so you can't see anything that's going on inside so trying to understand what's going on um, without looking inside is is possible but not uh, super easy so neutrons are a good good probe for that because they go through the battery and then also what I like about it compared to x-ray radiation where you can also go through a battery if you want if you use high energy um, x-rays is that you're not disturbing the electrochemistry in the same way um, with neutrons as you do with x-rays because x-rays they interact with electrons, right? And electro electrochemistry is electrons moving. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of uh, problems from that. And you can use neutrons in that case to, let's say you want to um, see how your material lithiates and delithiates during charge and discharge. So you can, you can do neutron diffraction on that, um, for example. Or you can you could do tomography and and see at how your um, uh, look at how your your deposition works. Although I'm not sure how yeah, but it, it, that does work in principle. Or you do <laughs> you do what I do. Um, I'm looking at nanoparticles uh, from made from gold, for example, 
and then I lithiate those because gold likes to uh, make intermetallic phases with lithium and then I can look at what those what the shape and the arrangement of the nanoparticle the, uh, particles do uh, or what happens to them in small small angle scattering the issue with all of all of those things with lithium and the and the environment which is mostly carbon based is that you can't the contrast in x-rays is not really good so using neutrons you get much higher contrast and then you can look at those things contrast means you can distinguish between different materials like lithium and and carbon like lithium and and the graphene anode exactly but basically with neutrons you can then investigate things that happen in your battery in your closed battery cell while the battery is is working what what you said about your about your research um so the nanopart the gold nanoparticles with the intermetallic lithium phases around them this is then used as an anode yeah this is this is the so if you're going one step further than lithium metal is no anode at all uh because no anode has <laughs> you know less um weight than no anode so <laughs> but don't you need an anode well i mean you don't really because if you just if you just put a current collector where the anode would be um and you have lithium in your cathode then you can plate the, the lithium on your ca uh, on your anode uh you know part and then take it back into the cathode and do this all over so it does work but the problem is you're if you lose any lithium anywhere then you're not you don't have anything in reserve uh, as backup so anode free designs only work if the cathode works at 100% efficiency so anything mm -hmm. you put in comes out and same for the for the anode and the problem is actually mostly the anode if you plate lithium on copper you will lose a lot of lithium just to you know side reactions with the electrolyte and and whatnot and then you have then you have lithium copper um alloys or whatever no it, it doesn't alloy with copper in that case but you you have lithium on copper but you also have a lot of uh you know products of reactions of lithium with the electrolytes so it would be lithium carbonates fluoride stuff like that and those are mm -hmm. electrochemically inert most of the case uh okay. in, in most most of the time so and then lithium is lost in these compounds and you cannot get it back yeah and then you're then you're just stuck with your battery dying in, in a very short time because you're not you're losing all your mobile lithium so so in that case the idea is to make the with the nanoparticles or with with just metallic layers in general on on the um anode is to have something that alloys like gold or silver mm -hmm. or zinc also <laughs> um and the yeah the hope is that you can then have a better plating uh mechanism and that you can use more of it um mm -hmm. coming out again and with a small angle neutron scattering you investigate then structure of these or, or morphology of of these nanoparticles how they arrange on let's say your current collector your your anode basically and how the lithium plates on these nanoparticles yeah it will it will plate into the nanoparticle probably mm -hmm. so i'm i've seen already that it doesn't 
when I when I cycle or when I lithiate and delithiate them, I I can't get as much current or charge in as I would expect from the amount of gold that I put down. So it might be that the if you have a nanoparticle that it doesn't fully lithiate, so that it might have a mm-hmm. it might have a, a pure gold core still, and then outside it would be lithium gold uh, okay. in the metallic stuff. So that's what I can see in the, oh, hope to see most of the most of these intermetallic domains apparently are in the, in the small angle, or almost medium angle region, uh, of of length scales, and these we can see with neutron scattering. Yeah. Nice, cool. Perfect closure of this nerd talk. Nerd talk. If you, if you got lost, no worries. You can always message Gilles or me, and we 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 try to answer all of your questions. You can of of course also use the Spotify comment section. There's a Spotify. Uh, oh, why I didn't know. There's a there's a Spotify comment section. Yeah. Nice. That's really nice. Um, yeah. Maybe in the end, we heard a lot about the future of batteries. What what new materials there might be. Um, also start of, of real recycling, real circular economy. But what do you think is next for you? Where is your scientific journey going? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think I would... Um, if, I, if I could just choose, I would uh, do what I do now, just uh, probably forever. Uh, so if, if there were any scientist positions still in Germany, I would take one of those uh, if, if I got one. Um, but for now, I've decided to to do a bit more science still uh, and see if I can if I can do um, if I can get a junior group built somewhere, most probably in Munich. And if it doesn't. Yeah, I, I, the other day I thought I'm going to do four more years <laughs> in science. That's a quite specific uh, t- um, amount of time. Yeah, yeah, but then, then I'm 35. This is the magical threshold. Yeah, no, if, if by then I don't, I don't think, like, yeah, if by then I don't, I'm not seeing anything where I can, where I can uh, you know, finish some kind of career in science, because I'm 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 not really you know I'm not super uh, well aspiring to uh, a scientific career, but if I could manage to do something in the next four years that resembles something close to that, I would do that. And if not, I'll probably do something else. Something else with batteries or no? I think I would I I would probably leave science and and do some cultural work, you know. Mm-hmm organize some gigs and, and stuff or or maybe the other day i thought i i should open a just like anyone thinks at some point i should open a french bakery here <laughs> of course <laughs> which means i still have one year until i need to start my uh <laughs> like apprenticeship for for, for a pâtissier <laughs> in any case uh would love to meet you either in your battery research group or in your French patisserie. Probably continue talking about batteries or about croissants and guitars. Probably. They're all the same anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Gilles, thank you very much for joining me on the yeah, show. Thank you for inviting me. Take care.
see you around FRM2 probably. Mm, or FRM11. <laughs> FRM11. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Jill. That's it for today. If you have any questions left to Jill or me, just let us know in the Spotify comment section or reach out to me either on LinkedIn or Twitter. If you like this episode about batteries, you might also like the episode with Leonard Reeb, where we talk about solar cells, why he investigates them in space and why space applications are also beneficial for our society here on Earth. And as usual, one last information. This podcast is about you and everyone can participate. So if you want to share an exciting story about your science, your academic life, some crazy experiments or any other nerdy stuff, feel free to drop me a short message. Thanks for tuning in. Take care and see you soon on the next episode of Your Friendly Physicist and Other Nerds.